So, you slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later right here on the Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. Now, we understand that we're charming and fun to listen to. We but really you, are. We really are. But we will tell you, you will miss out on some things if you don't go to church. Like intergenerational community and support encouragement that that can bring inspiring music children who are doing funny things during children's time and there won't be any cookies at the end of the podcast but we'll give you what we can i'm chris marshall and i'm susan foster and we are united methodist pastors in reno nevada we're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a new age We're your average pastors, helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast, so if you're away from home or working or coaching your kid's soccer team or maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, snuggle up in your favorite fuzzy onesie with a cup of coffee or stretch out and lay your head back in the shady grass, however you relax. We ask that you would listen to this with an open mind and an open heart. And a quick note, we're serious about that open mind thing. We don't expect that you will agree with everything we say. In fact, we encourage you to question, to disagree, to figure out what you think. But in all of that, our sincerest hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. There is a story. There is a story from, I think, India about a man who worked in the master's house. He was a servant. Mm -hmm. His job was to fetch water. He had this device, this water bearer in India, these two large clay pots that were hung on either side of a wooden yoke. And he would put the wooden yoke on his shoulders. And every day he would walk from the master's house down to the river and fill up these two clay pots and then walk back up the hill to the master's house to use the water for whatever he needed to use the water for. The pots were sentient in the Mm. story. Oh. And one of the pots has a crack. Oh, no. And the pot knows that it has a crack. The pot feels bad. That it can't hold all the water. That it can't hold all the water because the water bearer is doing all this work, right? Back and forth to the master's house, up the hill with the water, and he gets up the hill to the master's house, and he's only got one and a half pots of water. One of the pots is half empty. And so one day in a moment of shame and vulnerability, the cracked we've pot, all been there. we've all been there, speaks up mm-hmm. and says to the water bearer, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I cannot the be... the cardinal rule of sentient... Of sentient objects. <laughs> uh, the international statute of secrecy is destroyed Boyd. in this moment. I am so sorry. I cannot be what you need me to be. I know that my failures impact your work. And that is not what I intend. And I am so, so ashamed of myself in this moment. The water bearer says something interesting. He says to the clay pot, have you ever noticed the flowers as we go back to the master's house? And the pot says no. And he says, well, on the way back today to the master's house, I want you to pay attention to the flowers. He walks back up the hill to the master's house and they get back up to the master's house and the cracked pot once more says, I am so, so sorry that I couldn't bear all the water and I can feel it leaking out and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I just, I can't be what you need. And the water bearer once again says, did you notice the flowers? And the cracked pot says, well, what about them? He says, did you notice that they were only on one side of the path? 
Mm. And the crackpot says, no. He says, the reason that there are flowers only on one side of the path is that I know you're cracked. Mm-hmm. I have known it for a long time. As we walk back up the hill to the master's house, you have been watering the wildflower seeds that I planted there, knowing that you have this crack. You are the reason that I can go out every afternoon and gather flowers for the master's table. Mm-hmm. You may think that you are just your crack, but you are exactly what I need you to be. In Second Corinthians, Paul says, I know it's hard to do what you're called to do, mm-hmm. and I know you might not think that you're up to it, but you're exactly who we've called to do the work. You are all cracked pots. And you crackpots are exactly how God makes it in the world. Right. In the message, it says, we're all just messengers. We're all just messengers. And if you only looked at us, you would miss all the brightness. But we carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots, which are our ordinary lives. Yep. In other words, we don't have to be perfect. Nope. We don't have to be fancy. Don't we don't have, have to, to be bougie. No, 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 no glitter, huh? No glitter, no glam. This is how Christ shows up mm. in everyday people and in everyday lives. And I know it's hard, but there's grace. And what Paul eventually says is, and it's not about you anyway. Yeah. It's about this amazing thing that you've got inside of you, who you are, which is a gift of God, the creator, and who you are becoming, which is a gift of Christ Jesus. Uh, you are people of hope and love and joy and peace, and that's all you need to be. And you can be that and be a little cracked. You don't have to be perfect to do the work. So instead of just looking at the cracks, right. we look for the flowers. Right. Where are the cracks in my life that I think might be places of imperfection or places of struggle? How might those actually be contributing or be able to contribute to building community? Right. In times of crisis, in times of tragedy, we don't just look at the wounds, we look for the helpers. Right. We say, how is this actually creating a moment of healing and wholeness that we can live into? How can we find gratitude? Right. Even for the flaws. We don't have to wait to be perfect to pitch in. And one of the best images of this, I think, in recent pop culture was, this was a sermon I preached the weekend Wrinkle in Time came out. Uh Uh-huh. Wrinkle in Time, great book by Madeline Langle, and I'll post links to the book and the movie on Amazon. But the main character yes. in Wrinkle in Time is a young woman named Meg. Right. She has a little brother named Charles Wallace and a friend named Calvin, and they go on this adventure. Meg's father disappears, and in her search, she, which is, takes them across the galaxy and back, right. she finds a perfect planet. And on the perfect planet, all of the children bounce their balls to the same rhythm. And all of the mothers come outside and call for the children to come in. And all of the children very obediently turn and go inside the house. Uh, Everybody is dressed perfectly, looks perfect, acts perfectly. There are no mistakes. There are no flaws. And this planet is run by a giant brain, the happy saddest. And Meg has to figure out how to kind of uncover this dark core within this perfect planet because what she realizes is that the logic of the planet has stamped out all particularity and therefore all grace. Right. Charles Wallace is kind of perfect. Her little right. brother, he's brilliant. He's he's a toddler. He's three or four years old and he's brilliant. He can do anything. He can do any calculation. In well, his he's head. older than that in the story. He's in, in the garden at least. No, he's not in school yet. 
In Wrinkle in Time, he's not in school yet. He doesn't start school until the second book, because I'm reading it right now, Wind in the Door. Well, but in the movie, he was in the... In, in the movie, they have to get a kid who's a little bit older, because three-year-olds are not good with lines, <laughs> but... He's this perfect little kid. Right. And so he Already fits, doing high school math. Uh, college math. He's brilliant. Yeah. And he's he's already... And you find out later, it's maybe because he's not quite human, but um, he's already... He fits into this planet. He assimilates so easily, because he's kind of perfect. But well, he gets taken over. He, yeah. yeah, he gets, he's susceptible he, to it. He's susceptible to the, the idea of perfection, too. Yeah, exactly. And so when Meg and Charles Wallace and Calvin are going onto this planet, they're sort of being escorted by these three heavenly beings. And you don't really know what exactly they are. One was maybe a star at one point and is now something else. Anyway, it's Reese Witherspoon, Oprah Winfrey, and Mindy Kaling yeah. are the three kind of entities yeah. that are yeah, escorting these children. They're supposed to be stars. They're all, well, it doesn't matter. We're not going to get into that right now. As the as the three children are going into the planet, these three entities give them gifts. Right. And one of them gives them glasses to be able to see through the nonsense. And one of them gives the children love. And one of them gives Meg her flaws. Mm. That is the gift she is given. The and gift she's of like, her great. flaws. Yeah, she's she's pretty resentful about this. She's a... She's a t- Early teen. She's, none yeah, of she's, us want our the flo- none of us want to be different at that point. Yeah, and she doesn't really fit in at school, and she doesn't really fit in her family, and so that she's just always feeling on the outs. Meg, in fact, she's kind of an anxious mm-hmm. character. She's she gets a little grating after a while as you're listening uh, to the book or watching the movie or whatever. Um, she gets a little anxious and she gets a little whiny. And in the book, this actually kind of becomes a strength of hers, which is wild because normally when we see particularly female characters portrayed in this way, they either need to be rescued or they need to be fixed. Right. And so when Meg is given the gift of her flaws, Madeline Lengel has done an amazing thing because she helps Meg to understand what grace is. And eventually the way that, that Meg breaks not only herself, but Charles Wallace out of this kind of mind numbing perfection and sameness is by realizing that she is messy and she is mean and she's a little volatile and she does get anxious and Charles Wallace loves her anyway. Mm -hmm. And she loves Charles Wallace and that that is really what matters and not whether or not she fits into some mold. And when she does that, when she says that it sort of breaks the spell and she's able to save her father and Charles Wallace and Calvin and herself from this planet that has been sort of taken over by this dark force that stamps out people's particularities. Meg is a cracked pot. Yes. And so are we. Yep. Each one of us is a cracked pot. And we can claim that. It doesn't mean we don't work on ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't own our stuff. Mm-hmm. It means we do own our stuff and we look for the grace in the midst of that. Right. And, Even, see, where, and see where our uniqueness has been a, a blessing. And see where our uniqueness has been a blessing and where the flowers are. We got to look for the flowers. We got to look for the flowers. We got to look for the helpers. We got to look for the cracks, but not so that we live in the cracks so that we can see where God's light can get out. As Leonard Cohen says, the cracks are how the light gets in. Yep. (laughs) We were talking that Sunday, it was June 3rd. That Sunday we were talking about wartime and weddings and graduates. Yeah. And we said, what do all three of these things have in common? It's human frailty. Mm-hmm. and finding grace in the midst of it. So um, in the midst of the wartime, Reno first was one of the places that did a lot of weddings. Yep. And we did at one point 300 weddings a month, which it's is just crazy, just wild. 
Um, so we were trying to be a source of grace for people who wanted some comfort and security as they were going off to war, as they were staying behind. To have that connection was maybe something yeah. that was needed for them. At the same time, we were capitalizing on that need and maybe not doing all of the pre-work that we should have been doing with folks. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the divorce rate became so high. So, you know, there's there's good and bad and you got to own all of it. Yeah. So with our history, we own all of it. And we say, yeah, we were part of the wedding, uh, the wedding trend in Reno, and that had good and bad effects. Yep. And in the midst of, right, marriage, you have two cracked pots trying to get along. So there's got to be a lot of grace. And in the midst of graduation, when you're heading off into what is unknown, yep. uh, you have to, you have to know yourself. You have to know what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and trust that God is moving in the midst of both of those things. And you don't have to be exactly like everybody you're going to meet. Yep. You get to be you and trust that God will use you to be a blessing. Because actually, it's not about you at all. Nope. So so that was sort of the sermon on June 3rd. Cool. And then we had communion. We talked about brokenness and grace. Hey, and then lived it. And then, and then we tried to, yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this Sunday Morning Sleeping Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to topics we've been discussing, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com or catch us on our Facebook page at Sunday Morning Sleepin or look us up at our on our webpage at sundaymorningsleepin.com. The scripture for this podcast was 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 12. And the theme music you're hearing is Take Me Higher by Jazzer. It's traditional at the end of a worship service for the priest to deliver a blessing because we're not cracked at all. Nope. Actually, we super are. We are super cracked people, but we trust that God's grace is going to move in your life anyway. And so um, I don't have any wise words that will make your life perfect. I have just this knowledge that in the midst of your cracks, God is still moving. God is still speaking. God, the God of all creation who invented all the best things on the planet, thought the world needed one of you too and made you the way you are with maybe your struggles and maybe your brokenness and maybe your frailties because even in those moments you can experience and express the grace of God. So my question is whatever you believe about cracked pots and about how we're supposed to carry God's grace around in our pockets, um, how will you choose to live into your own skin this week? How will you love? How will you listen? How will you serve? How will you seek justice? How will you let the light in? Maybe you've slept in, but now it's time to wake up and get moving. Amen. Mm-hmm.